are back. It's week five of the FCS season. We have a lot to get into, but before we start, just a special shout out. We have a birthday boy on the pod today, Bear Tycoon, celebrating his birthday with us this evening, this Tuesday evening. A cocktail, a podcast. Happy birthday, Bear Tycoon. Thanks, man. What what a treat to be here on my birthday with you, with all of you listeners. Uh, so everyone knows, people think that Nate and I don't actually have a close relationship, that we don't like each other, that we don't get along. I need to say, he was the first person to text me happy birthday this morning before my sisters, before my parents. Hot take, Nate. Thank you so much. I think you set your alarm to make sure that you were number one wishing me a happy B-Day. Yes, there was many reasons I set that alarm. One of them, uh, probably 1B, was to catch a flight out of Chicago yep. O'Hare today. So I was on Central Time, which made it a little bit easier. I was up a little bit earlier than I would have been uh, had I been on Pacific Time. So uh, everything kind of just came together for just the perfect birthday wish early in the morning uh, for my partner on the pod, Bear Tycoon. So he, he is just so ecstatic to be spending his birthday talking about big sky football and it is all big sky football no more dixies no more san diego yep. no more drakes no more teams from canada with female kickers not that that was the part that we didn't like no more uh you know division two central and eastern directional washington teams oh i guess eastern washington is still a big sky school sorry that one i meant central uh central washington and eastern oregon maybe that's what i meant but anyway, yes. it, it was all Big Sky on Big Sky. It was all fantastic. We have a lot to go through. We're going to get started. Bear Tycoon, what was your favorite non-Cat Grizz game of the weekend that you want to go over first? Whew. Well, favorite is a strong word, but I am going to start with Northern Colorado versus Northern Arizona. The Battle of the Northerns. Northern Colorado and the Lumberjacks met for a game in Greeley to answer the age-old question, can we make a game that goes into overtime boring? Which well, should have been answered last week when the Lamar, <laughs> whatever they were, came to Northern Colorado, but go on. Yes, both games ending with a 17-10 to 10 final score. Uh, NAU running back George Robinson put the Lumberjacks up 7-3 in the second quarter. Remember that name, folks, George Rob- Robinson. as uh, a 17-yard run, but... DZ Dylan McCaffrey led the Bears back in the second uh, after an impressive 16 play, 75 yard, eight and a half minute drive that ended on an eight yard pass uh, to uh, uh, one of his players, Dylan Thomas. Oh my! Second second half. <laughs> one that of his is. players, right? One of his players. Uh, thanks to a fourth quarter field goal and some uh, really uninspired football by both teams, this game headed into overtime where the Bears quickly scored a 15-yard pass from McCaffrey to Jaron Mitchell. NAU got the ball needing a touchdown, uh, but couldn't even get a first down. George Robinson, you remember him from earlier, was stuffed on a fourth and one by UNC's Elijah Anderson Taylor. UNC is now 2-2 two and two on the year with wins over FCS, Houston Baptist, and of course, Northern Arizona. Losses to Lamar and the University of Colorado. NAU is 1-3 and three over the, on the year. Their one win coming against FBS Arizona. Their three losses coming to FCS opponents. Uh, Nate, did you watch this game? So I will say, one thing I like about ESPN Plus is that you can go back, watch games. That's what I did here as tracking the score. I went back and watched it after the fact. They're all on demand. It's very, very nice. Um, it doesn't help the game be more more exciting. You kind of got to watch it. A bad game is a bad game, even if it's on replay, even if you can kind of skip around. Um, bad football is bad football. Nate, did you watch this game? Uh, I did not watch this game, but I did 
tune. Well, I, I guess I had to go to it to tune in to see what NAU was wearing. Was it my yes. favorite Ooh. uniforms? Not my favorite uniforms from the Jacks. Yep. You noticed something during the game regarding uniforms that you uh, had to call out. And I believe you wanted to call it on the pod. Yeah. So you and so NAU wore their whites and the whites had a little uh, design pattern on the pants, which was fine. It's a decent looking uniform. One thing we noticed coming out of the tunnel, the, the NAU uniforms that we love, but UNC was wearing them with just a different logo. It was uh, UNC has taken the best of NAU, including their uniforms. And it's if they both wore their darks, their navies, you wouldn't be able to tell the teams across, uh, apart from each other. The same matte helmets, the same color scheme, the same designer, I am sure. It was a bit shocking I knew that UNC had these uniforms. It was a bit shocking to see them lining up against uh, NAU. Yeah, and we know we, as uniform experts on this pod, yep. knew that who had them first. We know that NAU had these first. Uh, their design team uh, came out and just have tons of impressive uniform combinations in Flagstaff. We know that UNC doesn't. We know that UNC has kind of been the ones that look like they got their uniforms from like a bargain bin. Uh, previously, and now they're trying to yeah. play catch up with the big boys, and it was easily easily noticeable. So they couldn't fool us. But you know, last week I started out the podcast by apologizing to NAU for kind of calling them frauds after that win against yeah. Arizona. I thought maybe this is the catalyst that gets them going. Maybe this is what gets NAU out of the bottom of our power rankings. And no, they're frauds. They are allowing Northern Colorado to come into Bozeman next weekend, tied for first in the conference at one and zero. Oof. I don't know if UNC has ever been tied for first since they've been in the Big Sky Conference. NAU allowed this to happen. It should never happen. NAU is football-wise dead to me. Uniform-wise will never be dead to me. But football-wise dead to me. tied for first in conference play 1-0 with six other teams. From a pure standings perspective, tied for fifth in the Big Sky Conference. They're 2-2. Two and two. You have the top tier the teams that we know, they are tied with Sac State for fifth overall. That's just shocking to see as we head into October. And we'll get to it when we talk about the Cats. But also shocking to see them kind of, I don't know if I'm going to call them frisky. Because they've looked, I don't know if they've looked good in they the single game. they played some pretty bad. They've played pretty some pretty bad, bad teams. teams. Um, but two and two, you can't uh, you can't knock it. Game balls this game. I, I do want to give a shout out, Dylan McCaffrey. So numbers... Not They don't jump out uh, off the page, but watching the game, uh, he controlled the game. He did a, a decent job. I mentioned a super long drive that they had. They controlled the clock. He had just under 200 yards passing, two touchdowns. I think, importantly, no turnovers. Uh, well, I think the, that's the, I think that's why you go to to Northern Colorado is to be a game manager. Like yeah. every kid's <laughs> yep, dream is to be yep. – you leave Michigan. Every kid's dream <laughs> is to go to Greeley and just be a game-managing quarterback Get those mm. those big sky wins. Get on to the next one. See what your defense can do. I mean, this is every kid's yeah. dream, and Dylan McCaffrey is living it out. But a win is a win. We talk about like expectations. A win is a win. UNC got this win. Also, Cassidy Woods, uh, eleven receptions. He had almost half the receptions, um, one hundred twenty three yards. No touchdowns, but a solid game from him. Uh, a couple other things I want to point out. Uh, if you watch this game, hopefully you're not watching a lot of University of Northern Colorado games. This was the first one I actually tuned into. The logo they have in the middle of their field is so gigantic. And I posted on Twitter. It is, it goes from the 35 yard line to the 35 yard line. Just UNC, the N 
is probably like 25% bigger than the other letters. It takes up like most of the field width-wise. It probably gives like 10 yards on either side, side of these letters. I've just never seen anything like this before. Um, it is, uh, it replaces Montana's Jumbotron, the Jumboistron, um, as my favorite on-field feature in the Big Sky Conference. I just, I, I can't get yeah. over it. It is, it's it, kind of like the, so funny. The it's Kansas so Jayhawks logo on their basketball court goes from like, <laughs> yes. free, it's like a big, it's a Jayhawk, a bird, going from like free throw line to free throw line. But they yeah, are like a good o- program. Right, but also like it would be like logo. if they wrote out the word Kansas and then made the the True. the first S bigger than all the other letters. Like True. it's just it's, they chose, it's very on brand. They chose middle of the acronym <laughs> to emphasize instead of just make, making it all uniform. Um, yes, a very weird design. But we know that Northern Colorado, obviously, they copy ideas on their design team, and they just have yep. shitty ideas on the design team when it comes to logos um, on on uniforms and on fields. Well, and maybe it is, you know, if you look at the three words in their name, maybe Northern is the thing that, like, they are most they proud of. They're in. more Northern than they are Coloradan and more Northern than yeah. they are a real university. Um, the other thing I wanted to flag, I think this will probably be the last opportunity we have to talk about the University of Arizona, who NAU beat last week. Um, yeah. Frank Gogola, the Missoulian beat reporter, who I can't ever remember how to pronounce his last name, posted on Twitter uh, that the University of Arizona is holding mid-season walk-on tryouts for their football team. So we're entering October. <laughs> this team is looking for walk-ons to come onto their program. That is what NAU did to them. They ended. Not a this good is, sign. This is like Portland State beating North Texas and getting their coach fired. NAU Just looking beat them players. so bad either injured, got guys to quit, that they need to have mid-season walk-on tryouts that they're proudly advertising on their Twitter page. And we we promptly sent this to uh, Montana Parlay, who yep. uh, who does love to talk about his what could have been college athletics career. No word yet on if he will be going down to Tucson. That's in Tucson, right? Going down Probably. to Tucson uh, yeah. to see if he can make the Wildcats. But to help his to help his uh, case, be sure to tweet at the University of Arizona, um, tagging Montana Parlay and just giving them a heads up that we got a real stud. He has some eligibility left. Um, he has the grades to get into U of A. Uh, so let them know that we got a guy living and, in Illinois. And apparently, if he scores a touchdown, he could probably dunk the ball over the uh, goalpost. Oh, yep, <laughs> the upright or the, the post. <laughs> He would dunk, he would score a touchdown and then jump over the field goal post in yeah. celebration. Far too crowd. many inside Anyways. far too many inside jokes right here that only like five people are gonna get to listen to this pod, but still hilarious. Yes. Let's move on. Too much time on UNC. <laughs> too much time next? on UNC. Let's go to the video game offense of the Big Sky Conference, number six, Eastern Washington in Cedar City for this one. And Eastern Washington's offense cannot be stopped, not at home and apparently not on the road. Eastern Washington skied over the lowly Southern Utah Thunderbirds 50-21 to in a tune-up for this weekend's ESPN2 matchup against Montana. The Big Sky Player of the Week, Eric Barrierier, insane. Threw for 518 yards and another four touchdowns and is what's becoming a weekly stat line for this guy. It's really not fair. Nobody else is going to win a Big Sky Player of the Week when this guy is doing what he's doing. Isaiah Fonse had a career day this weekend was nominated for Big Sky Player of the Week. Would get it probably any other week, but not when Eric yeah. Barrierier is having the year that he is having. Barrierier has already thrown for almost 1,700 yards passing and 16 touchdowns through his first four games. Like I said, these are video game numbers. 
And as if he needed it, Barry Arier had help on the ground from Dennis Merritt, who scored three touchdowns and was the catalyst in setting the Eagles up with a 30-14 to lead at the half. Southern Utah, our by far least favorite team in the conference, was close at the end of one, only trailing 9-7, to and had the score at 16-14 to in the second quarter. But the Eagles went on a 34-7 to run to show the Thunderbirds that they had no place flying with them. Not only did Barry Arier and Merritt have insane days, receivers Talolo Limu Jones, amazing name, had 175 yards receiving. Yeah, thank you. Had 175 yards receiving and a touchdown, and then Efton Chisholm the third or the second. Can't remember if I left off an, uh, a one there. Uh, had 147 yards and two touchdowns. So not only, I mean, their quarterback's on fire. Their running back had three touchdowns. He's throwing to some baller receivers, and Barry Arier has over 400 yards passing. More than the number two quarterback in the big sky, which is Davis Alexander at Portland State. So more than 400 yards passing more than him. I don't even know if that's the right way to say that. His <laughs> 16 touchdowns yeah, lead the right. league. Yeah. And he, uh, his 16 touchdowns right now are leading the league by seven over Matthew McKay. Parentheses. Who would have ever thought a Bobcat signal caller would be mentioned with a QB like EB3? But uh, this one wasn't really close after the second quarter. Eastern Washington, 50 Southern Utah, 21. We had uh, some friends uh, in the Big Sky Podcast Network, mostly Kyler, Neil, from the the Eagles Power Hour, who uh, didn't quite know if Eastern could do this on the road. He he seems to be very down on his Eagles when they play away from the red turf in Cheney. And uh, I think his Eagles just proved him wrong that they can do it to anybody anywhere, especially when that anybody is Southern Utah. We hate Southern Utah. Yes, Southern Utah... See you later, man. Um, Barry Arier, just to put this in perspective, 16 passing touchdowns for him. Total touchdowns for the Big Sky Conference offensives. UC Davis has 17. They're number two. Every other team in the Big Sky Conference has 16 touchdowns or less on the offensive side of the ball. Eastern obviously has a ton more. They have 27. Barry Arier by himself, 16. Everyone else but UC Davis, under 16 uh, it's just his numbers are their video games. It is. We'll talk about him a little more when we get to that Montana game uh, coming up this weekend. But it's it's astounding. Yeah, and, and there I was think one one D two game in there. Like it's not like he's doing this against all D two opponents. He had one D two yeah. game where he kind of you know was able to fluff up the numbers a bit. But it's just it is truly truly wild. And I think it was good for Eastern Washington's defense to see that they can stop somebody after the sieve that they were in the second half against Western Illinois, allowing them to come back, not cover that game, and be dead to me um, until next this weekend. But anyway, Southern Utah, only 239 yards through the air. They threw the ball 37 times, didn't really manage much, didn't really, didn't really threaten much through the air. And rushing, only 101 yards. Their leading rusher was 36 yards on 10 carries. He did have two touchdowns. That was David Moore the third. Uh, for the Thunderbirds, but that that Eastern defense probably a little bit embarrassed about how they ended the game uh, the previous week in Macomb, Illinois, and they came out here and, and yep. made sure that there was no comeback in the fourth quarter. You know they outscored them twenty to seven in the in the second half. There was no foot coming off the the gas pedal there after the scare that got put into them by by uh, you know Western Illinois in the previous week. So if there's anything that you know is besides the amazing offense. If there's anything else that they need to take confidence in, I think it's the defensive performance in that second half showing that uh, maybe that Western Illinois one was a little bit of a fluke, and they're not just going to let every team throw and run all over them um, and keep games close, a la the, yeah. uh, the last Rob Ash year uh, at Montana State. 
So just another, I was going to save this for the Montana discussion, but I'll drop it here just for uh, another stat on how insane their offense is. Eastern Washington, 210 points scored this year. Eastern Washington, 210 points scored in four games. That is more than Idaho State, NAU, and Cal Poly combined so far this year. Eastern's done that on their own. Insane. Insane. And we, ju- and we just got uh, – there were some notes from the Big Sky. So, Barry Arieri, like we said, passed for 518 yards and four touchdowns in this win. He is the first FCS quarterback to throw for 500 or more yards in back-to-back games since someone did it 10 years ago from Cornell in 2011. So, yeah. And like, Cornell was probably playing like Brown or Princeton or Dartmouth or somebody like that. Uh, yeah. So – uh, Barry area, pretty cool. And, you know, this is the Eagles' third straight game, over 50 points. This is an offense, man, that's – I mean, we're used to it from Eastern Washington, but what Barry area is doing right now is blowing my mind. And that's saying something after all the good quarterbacks and all the offense that we've seen run through Cheney the last decade, really. So pretty yep. impressive stuff uh, for the Eagles. Yep, absolutely. Um, anything else you want to touch on on this game? No, I just can't wait for uh, – 8.30 Mountain Time next uh, Saturday, or this coming Saturday on ESPN2. Awesome. After, after seeing this game, I, and I think it really was, too, the defense, seeing that they you know, played well on the road, only 21 points allowed to Southern Utah, makes me a little bit uh, happier for the game uh, coming up against the Grizz, for sure. Yes. No, no doubt. I mean, it's uh, it, number six versus number four in the country. It is. It, it will be a season-defining game for both teams next week. Yeah, so that, that's but, I think everything on that one. Yeah, let's save let's save our discussion uh, uh, for for the Montana game for a little bit later in the pod. Uh, next game I want to touch on Frauds top of, of everyone's week. mind. Frauds of the week. Sac State uh, went to went to Pocatello, played Idaho State. I think it's safe to say Nate this is probably a loser leaves town matchup. Both these teams had friskiness perceived friskiness going into the season. Both started out kind of slow. Uh, and speaking of slow, the first quarter was also very slow. There was nothing until a burst of action towards the end of it uh, with with uh, the ball in their own 40-yard line, less than a minute left. Sac State's Jake Dunaway connected with Marcus Fulcher for a 60-yard touchdown, giving Sacramento State 7-0 lead. Uh, there's less than a minute left. I think it's like 40 seconds left. It's a pretty exciting play. On the ensuing kickoff, the Bengals' freshman, Benjamin Omebay. How do I say this guy's name? Omebu. Omebu? Omebu. I looked it up. Omebu. Every other team has a, a pronunciation key. Uh, Idaho State, I could not find. So my... Uh, uh, apologies to Benjamin. He returned the kickoff, 99-yard touchdown. Um, a 12-play, 94-yard drive by the Hornets in the beginning of the second quarter ended with a successful Philly special. I don't know if I've ever seen a Philly special not be successful, but Philly special uh, from Sacramento State. Lucas Triplett connected with backup quarterback Asher O'Hara for a 7-yard touchdown. Uh, Idaho State answered with two quarter or two second-quarter touchdowns. The first, Tyler Vanderwall. Uh, to our boy Benjamin, uh, and a second, uh, my man Tanner Connor, who I've taken several times in the Big Sky Big Takes Fantasy Builder, connected with Hunter Hayes, another great name, uh, who was in at quarterback because Vanderwall got injured. He got, he got hit pretty hard. Um, uh, it was the same arm. If you remember during that Nevada game, he went out. Um, uh, so he's been banged up. He got banged up in the spring, too. It's, he's an awesome quarterback, but just tough to see him going down uh, with injuries. We wish him the best of luck. 
Um, but they were up. Uh, Idaho State went up 21-14 at the half. Um, Hornets kicker and Big Sky Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, maybe a little spoiler there. Uh, player of the Week, Kyle Santowski. Uh, was the only offense for either team in the second half. He connected on three field goals, giving the Hornets a 23-21 lead and the win. My game balls, Nate, going to Dunaway. He went 18 for 30 for 302 yards. A very, very nice game. Marte Mapu, seven tackles with an interception. Hayes from Idaho State threw two interceptions. That was really the difference in this game, these mistakes um, on their end. And then, of course, the kicker, Sentowski, Sentikowski, um, had a great, great game. Three field goals. That was he. He was the offense in the second half. So hats off to them. Yeah, and I, I was saying before you start on this, the frauds of the week, and I'm putting Sac State. They're out of Frisky. Idaho State's out of Frisky too. Sac State. They're frauds. Fraud alert. They're fraud alert. They they disappointed me this week. This was a game that they needed to impress us. You know, us important people in the podcast world. Yeah. They needed to really show us what they were made of, and they didn't. Twenty three twenty one over Idaho State. I know we didn't know a ton about Idaho State uh, going into this game. Uh, but this is a game that if Sac State's anything like they had been in the past couple seasons, was a game that they should have put away uh, pretty easily. Again, it is a road win. You can't discount a road win in the big sky to start off the, the conference season 1-0. i just not super high on the Hornets. It was interesting to see O'Hara did come in. He had seven attempts uh, at quarterback for 34 yards, and he also rushed the ball 15 times uh, for 47 yards. He was actually yeah. the second leading rusher. So it does look like they have a little bit of a system worked out here. Uh, in Sacramento about how they're going to use their quarterbacks uh, going forward. But, you know, all in all, just a little bit disappointed in the Sac State Horns. Thought they would come out with a little bit more firepower against, uh, you know, Idaho State, um, who we, none of us really had, were high on uh, this year. And it's interesting, Sac State right now, in through their four games, has the number four offense in the big sky and the number five yeah. defense in the big sky. But they still just aren't impressing us uh, with what they do. Maybe we're overlooking something. You know, they are. Uh, they're two and two with you know losses to Cal and Northern Iowa, but they are one and in conference play. So maybe me calling them a fraud is a little bit premature, but that's how they are in my mind right now. What would be your power rankings for the number five seeds in the Big Sky Conference right now? UNC, Sac State, tied for fifth. Power rankings on those two teams only. Sac State obviously over Northern Colorado. Yeah, uh, Northern Colorado. You know, played played maybe the worst team in the conference. Now it's between probably NAU and Cal Poly for the bottom of the the basement basement of the Big Sky Conference. Obviously, I'd put I would put Sac State ahead of UNC. I think UNC the benefit of playing the easiest team uh, in the conference to start out the the conference season. And like I said, we really didn't know a ton about Idaho State going into this game, so maybe I'm just overreacting really really quickly. You know, they lost by yeah 21 to North Dakota, who's a good team actually ahead of Montana State in the in the polls right now. And then a loss at Nevada, uh, 49 to 10 FBS Nevada. So, you know, we didn't know a ton about the Bengals. We knew that they probably weren't going to beat a top tier, top 25 team. Like, you know, obviously they, they couldn't beat North Dakota. SAC, I don't think, is, I mean, they're not a top 25 team right now and they're not looking like one. So um, maybe the Bengals are a little bit friskier than we thought. I just think this is a game SAC State should have come out and been able to handle fairly easily. Yeah. Just based they- on the teams they're putting out there. Seven wins gets you in conversation for the playoffs. Seven FCS wins. Sac State currently has two. Here's who else they have on the rest of their schedule. They're off this week. Then they play Southern Utah, NAU, UNC, Cal Poly, and Portland State. 
They also have games against it's, Montana and UC Davidson there, but that is that is a path to seven wins. Yep. I think we saw that at the beginning of the season when we were looking at the schedules and kind of previewing the season was that Sac State may not have the firepower that they had with Thompson uh, at quarterback and that team that they ran out there in 2019, but man, did the set the, the scheduling set up for them. Like you said, they do have uh, at Montana, which is going to be a real tough game, obviously, coming up on October 16th, and then they are in Davis for that last game of the year, which could yep. be the game that makes or breaks their postseason dreams. Um, yeah. Which will be an actual, it will be a blast to watch that one. Yep. Um, I think that's all I had on this game. Um, they did look I good. Cut- I will say, I, I tweeted it out before the game, Sac State came out with the white on whites with the green helmet traditional. They didn't have like the gold face mask or anything like that. Real nice. None of that, yeah. none of that you know, kind of gaudy stuff there. Just clean White on whites, yeah. The, the green helmet with the with the logo on it. It was it was straightforward. It was clean. I was impressed with the white on whites for Sac State. I hate when they come out with the gold face masks. I think that's the yeah, worst. Don't overthink the worst it. Uniforms. Don't overthink yeah, it. Yeah. Just give us white on white. Yeah. Yep. No. I, Idaho State. I think we can officially say is dead. I think everyone wants them to be better than they actually are every year, just because Fennessy is such a a good dude, like good coach. We want them to be better. It's easy to get hyped up by him. He's like the Dan Campbell of the big sky conference. Um, but at the end of the day, the results are what they are. They're 0 three. It's tough they, to see them really making a, making a move. Yeah. And when you look at their schedule coming up, they do get NAU this week, which we will expect Idaho state to win the game. We'll talk about that one, but then they get Davis, they get Portland state. So, you know, two and one possibilities there. Then they get Montana State Weaver on back-to-back weeks. Then go to BYU to get beat up by the number 13 team in the country right now. And then they end with Cal Poly, Idaho. So this game against SAC was huge. If they can somehow get a win over Davis, Montana State, Weaver, we might call yep. them frisky again if they can take care of business against NAU, Portland State, and Cal Poly. And they would come down to that Idaho game to end the year. And uh, we know that uh, our Tubbs at the Club guys would be uh, – that would be quite something if a win over Idaho could get Idaho State into the playoffs or anything <laughs> like that. So it may be something we watch just, just because poor of Chris our Chris Hammond's head would explode. Poor Chris Hammond, yeah, exactly. But all right, yeah. well, we got all right. We got through the shit games. We have three awesome games we want to talk about, including the two Montana games. But first, why don't you walk us through this uh, Davis Weber game, which was yeah, which was so, pretty awesome. Yep, in the game of the week in the Big Sky, a team that used to be in the top ten, Weber. Played a team that should have already been in the top 10, in our opinion, in Davis. In another battle in Utah. In a game that was close the entire way, the Aggies of Davis outlasted Weber 17-14. And our favorite quarterback in the conference only threw for 99 yards. I can almost guarantee you nobody would have said Davis would have won this game if Hunter Rodriguez was 11-26 for for 99 yards and no touchdowns. Yeah. But it's true. It happened. We love him. Game manager for this one. Trying to figure does out whatever uh, he does to win the game, whatever he can yeah. do to win the game for his Aggies. Yeah, we know he got banged up. Trying to figure out how what that injury is. Um, yeah, undisclosed injury right now. Undisclosed. Yeah, injury. which I hope just, this we need to just hire a beat reporter for every every yeah. school. I hope it's this so doesn't go the way of Case Cookus. This better not go yeah. the way of Case Cookus. But anyway, Case Cookus just disappeared for weeks at a time. Just anyway, sorry weeks. to interrupt. No, yeah. it's, it's true. Wildcats quarterback uh, Kyle Weiser, Weiser got Weaver on the board with an eight-yard pass to Josh Davis after an insane 15-play, 94-yard drive. Davis tied it back up with 3.20 left in the first half with an Alonzo Gilliam three-yard touchdown run. In the third, Weaver drew the first blood of the half with a 10-play touchdown drive capped off by a Dante McMillian touchdown. 
Dante McMillan touchdown run. And then UC Davis answered back with a field goal on the next drive to get the score to 14 to 10. And then we hit a little lull. After a combined four punts and a UC Davis missed field goal, the Aggies scored the game-winning touchdown on a Trent Tompkins one-yard score after a 15-play drive that took over six minutes off the clock. And Davis escaped Utah with a win, a massive win over two top 15 teams, a massive win with huge Big Sky implications. Like we said, beside the final score, some big news was that Hunter Rodriguez left the game with an undisclosed injury, and Miles Hastings did come in and fill in respectably, going 7 for 9 for 50 yards off the bench. Pretty pretty good uh, to fill in for the, yeah. one of the best quarterbacks in the big sky there. And, and here's the deal, man. When, you, when it's a game like this, two of the best teams in the conference, a lot on the line, numbers I don't really care about, like what – Hunter Rodriguez's numbers were and what you see Davis's offensive numbers were all that matters at the end of the day is they got this win. And you look at mm-hmm. Weber state, they dropped to one and three problematic. That is yep. not good for a team that had such high hopes going into the year. And so you see Davis four no, I mean, yes, we can pick apart kind of the box score, but they got the win. They got the win at Weber. Yeah. It's a huge deal. And I think that the, the big thing here was we wanted to see, where Davis was. Okay, they had that win against Tulsa 19-17 to to start off the year. Huge, huge FBS win yep. there for Davis. But then they did get, you know, kind of what the Cats got in two really bad teams. They played San Diego and Dixie State. They put up 53-60 and in both of those games. And then they did get a top 15 team in Weber. So this is what we where we wanted to see if UC Davis, uh, you know, caught lightning in the bottle in that Tulsa game and then just got a really yes. good scheduling start, kind of like the Cats have gotten so far this year. Uh, getting to bottom of the FCS teams. So to come out and get this win in Weber, 17-14, to 14, it does show that their team can play defense. I mean, when they allow Tulsa only get 17 points, um, and then you know San Diego only get 7 points, we thought, okay, pretty good, decent defense, which they're not totally known for. Yep. But then Weber, 17-14, to 14, they, they only allow 14 points, points, have a great second half with all those punts. So it's pretty impressive. Uh, game for the for the Aggies and just like you said you can look at the box score you can be bored looking at the stats but this is a massive win for Davis in terms of their confidence in the terms of how the rest of the big skies is going to look at them and it also really puts Weber kind of behind an eight ball through these next four weeks it's one in three I mean every game from here on out is is a must win for them and they have a pretty easy schedule going forward they got Cal Poly and then an off week but i mean they still have the cats and that's eastern washington gets, on that's their the schedule. part yep three out of their next I mean, four games two out of the next three games are montana state and eastern and if you lose both of they, those your three losses in the conference right there that's that's brutal to way to start out this i don't game. even know if they can afford to to lose one of those games i mean it's it's just it's hard it's it's hard to believe that we are in September, end of September, almost October, and Weber State is on the ropes. Mm-hmm. The the only like the only silver lining right now is they don't have to play Montana this year. Um, yeah, that's so huge. You throw Montana in there, and this was this was going to be Dunzo. oh rough, yeah. One, uh, yeah, yeah, so far, especially with the way they've started this out, so. Ooh, we didn't think we'd be talking about it this way. Weber was in the semifinals in the last real season we had uh, in 2019. You know, this is a team that has won the conference, what, share the conference like the last five years, I think. Four or five years. Something crazy like yeah. that. Yeah, um, if you count that spring season, yeah. 
But maybe they turn it around. Maybe they show us something. We'll see. But, man, this is a huge, huge win uh, for Davis. Uh, one other little note there, Josh Davis looking a little bit more like himself for Weber. He uh, he did have 15 rushes for 87 yards in this one. And, man, when I say we went into a lull in that third and fourth quarter, the offenses, Oof. they struggled this one in this game. And nowhere was it more obvious than on third down, these teams combined for 11 for 30 on third down conversions. <laughs> <laughs> brutal, brutal, brutal. Uh, when you're not moving the chains, I think they were like three of four on fourth down, but eleven of thirty on third downs. That's where the punt fest yeah. came in in the second half. So maybe not the fireworks and the exciting stuff that we're used to in a Davis game, and kind of the normal stuff we're used to in a Weber game. I feel like uh, yeah. Davis comes out on top in a game that's traditionally not the one that they're going to be playing. So, so kind of props to Davis for just grinding this one out. Yep, yep, and it's uh, yeah, the pressure is on Weber State for the rest of the year. It's uh, um, and here's the thing. People pretend football fans sometimes pretend that they like to watch a good defensive matchup. I don't like to watch it. I like yeah. the, 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 the stretches of this game that I watched where the offenses weren't clicking. I guess if it's like a good defense shutting down an awesome offense, there's something to that. But a lot of what was going on here came after Rodriguez's injury I mean, Weber State still playing with their backup quarterback. It was just kind of a, a struggle bus at times, and uh, it was tough to watch. But um, this game helped. I think there's a lot of open questions that we've had for about a month in the conference. This game helped to start answer some of those questions. UC Davis is definitely for real. Um, yep. Also for real, I think this might be a good transition. Thanks to everyone for making it. Uh, 30 minutes into the podcast before we talked about the Montana schools, but here we are, guys. <laughs> It was homecoming weekend in Missoula, Montana. The Grizz came into this game, Nate, riding very high. 2-0. and They just got some early season rest following a bye week. And they're playing lowly Cal Poly, the Mustangs. A lot of things to look forward to. However, there's, of course, some cause for concern for pessimistic fans like me. Montana had not won off a of bye week since 2014, and Cal Poly, amazingly, had taken three of the past four games that they played against Montana. Would recent positive momentum or history win out in this game? Who, For the first few who, minutes, it looked who like... Knows? Who knows what was going to happen? Maybe history. Who could yeah. have ever called this? <laughs> it looked like maybe history. The Grizz looked shaky on their first <laughs> offensive possession. Third and 10, five wideouts. Cam Humphrey got a little bit of pressure. He couldn't find anybody. Sacked. Turned the ball over. Uh-oh. Oh, so they didn't turn the ball over. He had to punt it away. Yeah, it's not how you want to start scary. out the game. Whew. Thank God things started going Montana's way shortly thereafter. Halfway through the first quarter, Cam Humphrey connected with Sammy Akem for a 65-yard touchdown. Probably 64 of those yards were after the catch. It was very exciting, very on-brand for Sammy play. Uh, and on the very next possession, Cal Poly's Connor Bruce threw a pick six to Justin Belknap, uh, who was in the DN spot, dropped back into the coverage. Bruce never saw him, picked him off, pick six. So exciting. Got a weird little two-point conversion. Came out of nowhere, 15 nothing Grizz. Uh, and then uh, uh, this is worth going back. I don't. I didn't see it posted anywhere. Go back and watch the replay of the game. Uh, Cal Poly's next uh, possession, it ended when Alex Gubner got a sack. It was like a 12-yard sack. Um, he looked like... He was Lawrence Taylor and Tecmo Bowl going through Cal Poly's line. Like he burst through and threw the quarterback so far. It was, it was just, it was, that really set the tone. Um, going into halftime, eight, 18 nothing, uh, Grizz. Uh, everyone was 
wrestling pretty easy, but things got a lot easier. Uh, Malik Flowers started off the second half by returning the kick 95 yards for a touchdown. Three total touchdowns in the quarter. Humphreys connected with Joey Elwell for a 21-yard touchdown. And Levi Janicaro blocked and returned a punt for a touchdown. Uh, 39-0 Ogres. Uh, and if you're keeping track at home, ever right? guessed that this was happening? Yeah, like, like I said at the beginning, uh, who would have ever seen this yeah. coming against a team like Cal Poly? 39-0, two offensive touchdowns, one pick six, one kickoff return, and one blocked punt for a touchdown. Uh, it was uh, one other standout play I want to mention from the third quarter. Uh, Cal Poly had driven down to the Grizz 17-yard line. It was second and five. Justin Belknap uh, stuffed. Cal Poly running back Harper for a four-yard loss. And then Marcus Wellnell got a 12-yard sack on third down. You don't want to try that first name? Shacoby. Shacoby Harper. That's such Um, a cool name. You can't skip over Shacoby Harper's first name. It is is a great name. Uh, But those two consecutive defensive plays pushed Cal Poly out of field goal range. Cal Poly got... Uh, touchdown in the fourth quarter. It ended the Grizz defense scoreless streak, uh, which was at 10-plus quarters. Washington scored first quarter, I think on their first drive against the Grizz. A, an offense had not scored against the Grizz defense until the fourth quarter of this Cal Poly game. Uh, I have some other notes I want to get through, but why don't I why don't I toss it to you for your overall thoughts on the game? Well, you know, it's it was a game that, Cal Poly was uh, 200 and some in the Sagarin rankings, put them down there close-ish to the San Diego's, the Drakes. I said all week last week this game wasn't even going to be close. On Twitter and the podcast, this game was going to be 30, 40 points. Cal Poly, horrible. They weren't good last year or the year before or any of the years really that we can remember. Uh, they get rid of their triple threat option. New head coach in his first real season. They quit last season. Yeah. New quarterback. I mean – all the chips were stacked against Cal Poly. The Grizz coming back home, or getting, you know, playing again, uh, homecoming in front of a packed and uh, pretty energetic Washington Grizzly. I mean, there was literally no chance that Cal Poly was going to win this game. I'm yep. surprised they scored seven points even. Uh, so, I mean, this one, the spread, you couldn't even go to, you couldn't even put the spread high enough to what he thought it was actually going to be in this game. I think it ended up 31 yeah. and a half. But. Uh, yeah, Grizz, that defense still looks great. The Grizz defense ranked number one right now in the Big Sky Conference, uh, and for a reason. You know, they uh, they look like the real deal right now. We'll get to the game coming up this weekend. It'll be really interesting. It'll be, tell us again a lot. It's kind of like a Davis-Weaver game coming up this weekend. But the Grizz had to do what they had to do in this game. Eastern Washington had to do what they did in their game. There was nobody looking ahead, it seems like, uh, to the ESPN2 matchup. And, you know, I don't. I, you kind of – jokingly wondered if history or if uh you know history was going to repeat itself with the with cal poly uh winning this game or if it was positive momentum uh there is a hype train going on with these grizz and i think ryan foley from the rnr catcast even said it too that is one i haven't seen in a long 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 time i mean yeah they're saying frisco or bust and i'm saying once no one again, is saying frisco oh or bust. there's people there's people Who? there's name people one person it. Uh, yeah. Someone on Twitter they said won. it. Someone on Twitter oh, someone said Frisco or bust. Uh, was that a person of... Montana parlay? No, talking it wasn't about someone actually. else he heard it from. <laughs> no, I saw it on Twitter. It was from an account that wasn't verified, but it had like probably more than a hundred <laughs> followers. Uh, oh wow! But um, <laughs> yeah, send me a screenshot of that account. I'll try and find um, it. People are saying people are saying Frisco or bust. You know, I'm saying hold your horses. It was Cal Poly. It was okay. Illinois. 
Great win against Washington, who's no longer in the top 25, you know. Uh, well, in part because they lost to an FCS team. Well, that's part of it, for sure. That, right. That like, you don't say in the top 25 when you get beat by a Big Sky team. <laughs> that's true. Historically. But historically, you don't probably stay in the top 25, especially when you're a 20. But I'm just saying, yeah. pump the brakes a little bit. We're going to get a lot on this Grizz barometer coming up uh, this next weekend, a lot on the Eastern Washington barometer. But, no, I mean, impressive yeah. win. A win just like just like the Cats wins against Drake in San Diego, a win you wanted to go out there and see them do this. You didn't want to see, like, Sac State versus Dixie State where they come up and barely beat the team or they just a little right. bit lethargic. It's exactly what everybody in those stands wanted to see. It's that confidence booster again for the Grizz uh, with that defense and everybody getting to talk about the almost 11 quarter, 12 whatever quarter scoreless streak it was after Cal Poly did score that touchdown. But that probably is the most surprising thing is that Cal Poly scored uh, this weekend. Yeah, and and look, I mean, look, Riz fans, I think, are hyped up. I think they have every right to be hyped up. But the this, the ceiling right now is not Frisco or bust. I'm just so thrilled to have a team that, saying, is, that, is, that is people are hyped up like me. This is I saw this somewhere and I couldn't believe it. Um, Grizz are 3-0 for the first time since 2013. There's reasons to that's, be hyped. That's up. a crazy. That's kind of a crazy. Yeah. Stat. Now you can argue that the you know some of their wins aren't against the best teams, but this is a schedule they have. They have one FBS win. Oh, yeah. They have two FCS wins. And this week we'll get to this game in a moment. Um, this week against Eastern Washington, like again, this will answer some questions. This is a great. Oh, that's the defense going against a great offense. Um, yeah. And so I'm the last person exciting. that can talk about early season wins. Like I'm the last person that can yeah. give the Grizz crap about two easy teams. Like that's that's obvious that I'm not uh, saying that their wins were less impressive than Montana State's in any way. I just don't see a lot of people saying you know Bobcats or Frisco or bust right now, like everybody else is saying on Twitter. Yeah, everyone else. Um, game balls I want to give out. Um, Cam Humphreys, you know he he played well, super steady, um, but at times he did not look. He looked. He looked exactly what we needed him to look like, but he's not blowing the doors off like Eric Barrieri. So a couple couple players I want to give game balls to. Xavier Harris, I'm very happy with how he's playing. He's been so steady out of the backfield. If you look at his uh, uh, finishing line, 71 yards rushing. He also had a really big run uh, called back on a holding call. But more than anything, he's just been super reliable. When the Grizz need a long drive, when they need to keep moving down the field, Xavier Harris is getting these big runs. It's just... It's a, it's a relief to have him back there. I think he needs some recognition. Also, I mentioned it, but Malik Flowers, that kick return. So Bo Baldwin, Cal Poly's down 18-0. Bo Baldwin probably gave this big halftime speech like, we're in this, guys. Three scores. We need to get a defensive stop. We get a quick score. We're down two scores. We're right back in this thing. Uh, Malik Flowers ended any hope Cal Poly had right when we got out of the out yep. of the out of halftime it's just it was so fun to see and then i also want to give a shared game ball to cal poly's kicking team um start the game back-to-back 15-yard punts from cal poly punter chris bartolick um uh, plus he had one blocked punt that went for a touchdown i can't really blame him i think that's probably more of a line fault than than the punter's fault he was just getting like demolished right away rushing punts looked like Grizz players got their hands on one of those 15-yard punts um also, their kicker, uh, Jaden Olson, uh, place kicker, he missed field goals at 37 and 39 yards in the second quarter. That allowed our scoreless streak to go from eight quarters to 10 quarters. So thank you, uh, Jaden, for that. Um, and overall, you know, it's a, a, a win is a win. We can, I, I know that in our Slack and in um, some of our big sky chats that, you know, are we worried about the Grizz offense for 
only getting two touchdowns. Like, no, a win's a win. Putting up 39 points is something. If you can get special teams defensive touchdowns, that's all a bonus. If you look at how many times uh, the Grizz got in the backfield of Cal Poly, it is just, they were not having a lot of fun. Cal Poly did not enjoy their trip to Missoula. No. Um, no. And so I think that's I think that's all I have to say. It was, it was, uh, it was a blast to watch. Thank actually you, Bobby second, Houck and the Grizz, for such a fun. Yeah, it's such actually a fun the game. second. Second, it's actually the second game that they've done that and demoralized a team that had like maybe yeah. some hope going into halftime <laughs> yeah. against Western Illinois. Humphrey <laughs> threw that laser for like twenty-five yard touchdown with a second left, and then the Grizz got the ball back to start the second half and scored. And so it's kind of yep. the same thing where you know Grizz get the the opening kickoff in that second half and Flowers scores. So they've uh, they've used the halftime break to demoralize their last two opponents uh, for sure. So. Just something to watch, or maybe they're a halftime team like that. Yeah, or maybe they're just good. Maybe they're maybe. good at scoring Frisco touchdowns bust, and winning Frisco games. Frisco or bust. Yeah. The train is yep. – it's a hype train, man. Um, <laughs> the next game we have out in – well, it's not really Portland. It's Hillsboro. So yeah. In a game where we near were a Portland. bit worried. Near Portland. Portland area. It's kind of like the San Francisco 49ers are really in Santa Clara, but they're still the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers. Uh, so in a game where we were a bit worried about the energy at a glorified high school stadium, the Cats came out looking like they needed Bobcat Stadium or really any stadium with a home fan base in a lethargic first quarter in Hillsboro. Uh, with only a field goal sandwiched between two miserable three and outs, Montana State trailed 10-3 after the first quarter, and the second wasn't much better as MSU could only imagine six points on two Blake Glessner field goals. And for the first time in 2021, Montana State trailed going into halftime down 10-7. If you remember, that does include an FBS game, Bear Tycoon, against Wyoming. They were winning at the half. So after both both teams traded punts to start the second half, Montana State's offense got going and scored touchdowns on three consecutive drives to open up a 30-17 lead. Portland State's last gasp ended on downs with an Amandre Williams sack to end any upset bid for the Vikings. MSU was able to take over with 6.30 left in the game and eat up the rest of the clock on a nine-play drive that ended in a victory formation at the Portland State 6. But before we get to anything else, the spread in this game, I think it started at about 9. The spread ended yeah. at 13.5 in favor of the Cats. So the Cats were laying 13.5 points, and they knelt the ball in victory formation, <laughs> up 13 to end the game at the Portland State 6. That's oh. a bad beat. And... There's a highlight, the play uh, before that, I think it was a th- run by a Fonse, I believe, and uh, Matt McKay gets out in front and kind of tries to start blocking, really, really weak blocks, but you know, hey, the quarterback was out yeah. there doing it, anything for the yep. team, Appreciate the hustle. Uh, and he's out there, he gets in the way of a Fonse, trips him up, Montana State <laughs> goes into victory formation, ruining any better's chance at covering that spread after it jumped really quick from 9 to 13 and a half, just a bad beat there at the end of the game, if you want to take anything away from that, but... The star of this game and Well, can I can I interrupt? People oh, you are may. asking you Does may. uh did Matt McKay have Ooh. Portland State? Did People Matt, are asking. I think now this is sports betting is legal in not, Washington. Not if you're Portland, playing in, in the Oregon game. and Washington. Uh, not if you're a player in the game. <laughs> no, I don't know if college betting is allowed uh in those two states, but you know, uh, <laughs> I suspect no. I suspect, I suspect no. Uh, we're not we're not throwing any allegations out there. Um, Obviously, I, Matt McCabe's not did not have anything on the game. But people are asking, not people us. Are asking, not people, us. People are people asking. on Twitter probably. Yeah, um, maybe. But, but back to real stuff that happened. Isaiah Fonse was the star of this game. He somehow wasn't named to the Big Sky preseason's All Conference team, which once again reinforces that preseason polls, MVPs, and preseason teams are the stupidest things we do in college sports. 
Here's what Afonso accomplished on Saturday. Number 22 rushed for 217 yards, which according to MSU football is the second most rushing yards in the FCS this season and most of any big sky running back. He has 489 yards rushing in four games and is the second leading rusher in the, all of the FCS and the top big sky rusher by over 100 yards. And his 30 carries in his last game against Portland State is the most by an MSU running back since 2012 when Cody Kirk was in the backfield. Afonso was unbelievable. Unbelievable. So what an asset. Yeah. Oh I mean, my god. He and his an runs none, no easy yards. We'll say that. Montana Montana State's offensive line right now, not the MVPs of the of the season so far, but Afonso is running like he has the Denver uh, Broncos offensive line and like Terrell Davis and Alandis Gary was there. Uh, the dude mm-hmm. just breaks tackles. He had a beast mode uh, Marshawn Lynch run, like uh, Ryan was saying from the RR Cat cast, uh, to kind of seal that game, and that was the one that McKay got in the way on. Uh, but Afonso, unbelievable league-leading running back right now, wasn't even named a top-two running back preseason, which uh, we, uh, us Montana State fans, after watching him the last couple of years, knew that that was a, a definite snub. Um, but another star who is definitely benefiting from some solid QB play by Matt McKay is Lance McCutcheon, who once again uh, just had an amazing game, eight receptions, 161 yards, and a touchdown. He's the third leading receiver in the Big Sky right now and has three touchdowns on the season. What could have been, like, say Kevin Cassis comes back for another year with Matt McKay at quarterback, having him opposite of Lance McCutcheon would have been something with this quarterback play Montana State's having. I can tell just by your face when I'm reading those stats, you're just not used to Montana State having such a balanced offense with a running back at the top of the rushing yeah. standings and a receiver that's number two, number three in the Big Sky Conference and in, in receiving. It's just not something you've seen the last few years. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's funny that Montana State had so much success when it was like, well, we have a linebacker playing quarterback now. And now that linebacker slash quarterback will be our starting running back. It is. It is. The Cats have a, a solid offense. And when you have like a good program, good defense, um, it's kind of scary to see what they're going to be able to do in the big sky. Yeah, and and McCutcheon has been. I mean, Afonso, we knew who he was. McCutcheon, we knew was a yeah. very solid receiver, obviously. But this year, man, he's had some. But games. they didn't. You couldn't see what they were doing when they were so one dimensional the past two yeah. years. Right. And they would like, only throw is, the safety route was to Cassis every route. Yes. Yeah. And like I, we all love Troy Anderson. It was a blast. When he was in there, was fun. like that was one of the like, craziest things to, to watch, but their offense was not fun to watch. Right. Like it was, it was like watching Tebow. It was, it was, yeah, always, it, was it was exciting. You were waiting for that one fun. long run by Troy. Like you were just, you needed yes. that breakaway run. Yeah. yeah no so it is, it is weird. I'm still adjusting to, to the cast balance. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So Montana state's run defense has been solid all year and nothing changed uh, in this game at all. The Vikings were only able to gain 54 yards on the ground. Their pass D was where, you know, there was a, a chink in the armor there. But that one left a little bit to be desired um, in the first three quarters. They allowed Davis Alexander, who is a good quarterback. We will say he's not a bottom of the barrel quarterback. He did throw for 266 yards and a touchdown. And Portland yep. State was threatening at the Montana State 22 in the fourth, but Alexander was sacked and fumbled away any chance uh, at Portland State taking back that lead when, when Montana State and Portland State were really just trading drives there in that second half. Uh, it was uh, it was nerve-wracking at the time, but Montana State's defense did start getting to Alexander a lot more and swarming him at the end. Troy Anderson had a sick sack there in the second half. So the, the pass defense was a little bit worrisome in this game. 
it wasn't the energy. Well, it was kind of the energy we thought they would come out with, but not one that you, you, you hope you're wrong about that. And it did just look a little bit lackluster in that first half for Montana State. They did show us who they were in the second half. And yep. like you were saying, you and I were saying before you were saying before we even we started recording was that hey Montana State won by thirteen they got that road win you're saying it's a good win uh, I think I was yeah. coming off some Drake and San Diego highs you know you're getting those false highs some fools gold seeing the numbers that they were putting up against some real crappy FCS teams Portland State not like a upper echelon FCS team by any means but played well against Wazoo played well against Hawaii. Uh, beat a barely beat a d2 school which is probably the most worrisome thing but not a not a drake or san diego team by any means so i think i was coming off a little bit that high uh you know them being at home with that energy and it was a little bit worrisome but like you said it's a road win in the big sky they're one and oh they took care of business on the road in portland they get to come home this weekend yeah and it's not the first time we've seen like a big program montana eastern going to portland state and struggle in that weird atmosphere like it is, it is, uh, you know, even you get fans like at the Idaho games, like it's just, it's, you get fans at Weber, not like we get in Montana, but like there's still fans there. Portland state, the announced attendance was like, over, like they always announce at like 4,095. I think that's just the capacity of the stadium outside of, you know, players, families, band members, uh, uh, the red shirt bands. players. <laughs> Yeah, like, and yeah, I mean, they're, they're, Portland State probably had like 36 real fans there. It's yeah. just, it's not a good, it's not a good atmosphere. I don't blame teams for kind of falling flat. Yeah, so it was, you know, they survived. They got out of there with the win. We, it's like playing in the NBA bubble. Yep. Like we some teams a, just struggled yeah. when they didn't have any fans. And we had, a, we had a ton of sugar. We had a ton of sugar playing San Diego and yep. Drake. We were on a sugar high. Sometimes you got to eat a little bit healthier, start playing teams that, uh, you know, give scholarships to their players. Uh, <laughs> and this is kind of what happens, I guess, when you get scholarship athletes out there, not just scholarship students. Yeah, but you're not going to look back at the end of the season and be like, man, I can't believe Montana State only yeah. you know, won no, by two touchdowns. Yep. It's a win. Nope. It's a win. Shock it out. Of there. Move on to next. Get back to Bozeman. Yep, absolutely. Um, should we move on to this week's games? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about this next week. It's week five. We're still all in conference this coming week. We have six games. We have twelve Big Sky teams facing off. We're going to start out a little bit talking about a little bit about Montana State, Northern Colorado, Northern Colorado visiting. Bobcat Stadium uh, to take on the Bobcats. Now, this is going to pit the number two offense in the league versus the surprising number four defense in the league. Northern Colorado, like we talked about, have had a pretty easy schedule leading up to this point. He's the Baptist, Lamar, Colorado, um, and uh, last week, obviously, NAU. They're putting up 326 yards a game. They kind of sneak, I'm sorry, they're only allowing 326 yards a game. Kind of a sneaky defense, one that we don't really notice because their games have been so boring. But Montana State, Yes. Uh, we're going against them. Sacramento State, just to kind of put it in perspective, was the number five defense uh, in the league right now. So Northern Colorado just one above them. Uh, so Montana State, if any indication, they can move the ball against the number five team. They could probably move the ball against the number four team. Uh, Northern Colorado's offense, though, this is where things get a little bit dicey for them. The number 12 offense in the conference, only only ahead of Idaho State by about 10 yards per game, and they're going to be facing the number two defense in the Big Sky, Montana State, mm-hmm. only allowing 282 yards a game. Uh, you know, one of the best rush defense teams uh, in the entire uh, in the entire conference. Actually, the 
the number two rush defense, only behind the Grizzlies. So Northern Colorado in for a very, very tough game uh, against Montana State uh, at Bobcat Stadium. You know, fans are going to be uh, – it's going to be a loud atmosphere. The Cats are going to be in front of an energized fan base again after a week off in Portland State. I don't really have much worry in my mind about this one. Uh Pretty lackluster win over Northern Arizona. A bad loss to Lamar. Houston Baptist, not a great win for Northern Colorado. I thought they were going to come into this game with three FCS wins, but no, not happening. I don't see an upset coming. They're back at home. When you look at this game, just off the bat, like just off the top, what do you think of this matchup with the Bears coming to Bozeman? So we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. I think the Big Sky Conference, you have five top-tier teams. So the two Montana schools, Eastern, Weber, and UC Davis. Okay? Then beyond that, Sacramento State's kind of a fringy team. If you are a top-five team, anyone below you besides maybe Sac State, you shouldn't be worried about. This should be a win. Um, Dylan McCaffrey has looked good. I think what they're doing in Northern Colorado, um, I've watched more than them this year than any past year. Um, I think that I like the direction their program's going. Um, this should not be an issue for Montana state this week. They should handle these guys easily. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't expect this to be a Drake San Diego score, but I'd be shocked if it was, if they lost by, or if they won by less than double digits. Yeah. Here's a little small, you know, we talked about, we joked about Dylan McCaffrey being a game manager earlier in the podcast. So McCaffrey right now, if you look at yards per game, he is the number eight quarterback uh, in the conference right now uh, with 166 yards per game. But the little fun note there, his long throw completion of the year is 34 yards. And of the 14 quarterbacks, 15 quarterbacks that the Big Sky Conference keeps stats on right now are the top 15, I guess. It's the third shortest long pass of the season for a quarterback. <laughs> there you <laughs> so go. So if anything that's, says game ends, like the long being a 34-yard yeah. completion, I don't know what does. How could you argue with that? You can't argue yeah. with that. Um, comparatively, <laughs> you know, like Eric Berrier is long as 76. Matt McKay's is 65. You know, Cam Humphrey is also 65. And then Dylan McCaffrey, 34. So very good factoid. Thank you. I Just wish everyone else could in. see the video of you. You are so proud so of that proud little factoid that, that you found. Uh, dug deep for that. Dug deep for that one. Uh, if you and the people are probably wondering who. Well, who are the people with the lowest or the the shortest pass? Uh, Tyler Vanderwall, mm-hmm. uh, Idaho State, thirty-one oh. yarder. Our boy and Justin Miller from Southern Utah with a thirty-two yarder as his long of the year. So Dylan McCaffrey, yeah, I mean Justin and, and Tyler. Um, for short passes. Yeah. Northern Colorado has, has the weapons to win this game. If Montana state plays super sloppy, if McKay has a stinker of a game, if they can somehow shut down a like Northern Colorado needs a handful of things to, to go their way in order for this to be competitive. They need to have less mistakes. Um, But you know, in a vacuum, Montana State should should walk would, around or should walk away. This would be the game I'd be super actually nervous about in Greeley. Like this would be a Greeley trap game. Yes, traveling down there again agree. with one of those you know a no atmosphere type of stadium. This would be the one where I'd be worried about. So happy this one's uh, at Bobcat Stadium for sure. And and your favorite fantasy player and favorite name in the conference, Gene Sledge Jr., Northern Colorado's yep. running back. 
just kind of a, a little stat line to watch for him. 68 yards a game, a couple touchdowns. Nothing super impressive. His last name, much more uh, impressive than any of his stats on the ground so far this year. Yeah, he's had he's had a he's been a touchdown scorer, not necessarily a big uh, yardage guy. Um, All two of them. I forget what was the Houston Baptist. I think he had he had their two scores there. There you go. Um, if he could play yeah, Houston so, Baptist uh, each week, Gene Sledge would be an Isaiah Fonse type he'd be, back. He'd be your guy. I think that there. I think there's some schools in the Big Sky that are complete pushovers. Northern Colorado is not one of them, but this this shouldn't be shouldn't be an issue. And I'd imagine is this homecoming this week for Montana State. I don't believe so. Okay. That's something we should, we should look up. Um, Jerry, if you want to look into that, but I mean, the crowd's going to be, the crowd is going to be awesome. Northern Colorado, they played university Colorado week one and otherwise haven't played in front of a crowd, right? Anything, anything of note. So they'll be intimidated by, you know, the, 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 you know, giant crowd in Bozeman. They'll int- be intimidated by that new building. They'll be intimidated by the the 65 inch TV that you guys have strung up um, to use that for replays for the stadium. Yeah. Um, it's going to be. Yeah, it, it should be. It should be fine. I mean, it will be. McCaffrey's been banged up, um, and you know, if he, I guess one thing I'd be worried about is what we saw against NAU. He did not. He looked fine, but not great in that game. If Andrew if he was kind of like nursing back from an injury and he's going to be 15% more than he was that last game that, yeah, maybe that's an issue for Montana state, but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried, my man. No. Some of the things I like to watch for in these games where I think we're going to be able to handle it. Uh, one player that I really like watching play when he comes in is Tommy Mellett. He got four carries last game against Portland state, the Butte product. He's fun to watch. He's fast. Uh, didn't complete a pass. I think he got sacked uh, when he did drop back for a pass last week. But would love to see um, Tommy Mellett get some more some more carries because he's a fun one to watch and a Montana product. And then some unfortunate news. My favorite player, and I've said it for the last couple of years in the pod, Coy Steele out of Sheridan, Wyoming. You know how much I love Coy. Uh, yeah. He took a hit on a punt return and is out for quite a while. Um, the word on that Oof. one from Vegan was a significant injury. He's going to miss an extended amount of time. So we hope he gets – uh, healed up soon. He's an exciting punt returner and just a, a great receiver to have on the on the field. So we hope he gets back on the field soon. And that's the one, you know, when you you hate to see any player go down, but it's when you're when it's your favorite player for the last three seasons, it hurts even more. So hopefully, Coy uh, gets back up and running uh, soon there. But yeah, it's uh, not the most exciting game on the schedule this week. Montana State hosting Northern Colorado uh, should be a win for Montana State. Just so glad this game is in Bozeman this weekend. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, God, it w- I was really hoping Northern Colorado was going to be three and one. That loss to Lamar really threw us. I was, I was hoping I had a whole thing planned about trying to get you scared, <laughs> trying to get little Nate scared about this game. But two and two team, I just can't can't, do, can't it. do it. It'd be theater at that point. Absolute theater. Um, it, Let's go. To, should we move on to the game of the week? Let's, I mean, this this is going <laughs> to be so damn fun. And I'm a Cap fan. I don't like yeah. Eastern. I don't like Montana, but I am, I'm excited for this one. It is ESPN two, eight thirty kickoff, Mountain Time. Every bar in the country will have this game on. Montana traveling to Cheney, Washington, number four Montana, number six Eastern Washington. 
it is uh, everything that, that we've hoped for. Um, we knew these two teams were going to be towards the top of the conference going into the season. Uh, I don't think either of us expected them to be undefeated at this point, being they each had to beat a, a FBS program to, it's true. to get here. But but here we are, Grizz 3-0, Eastern Washington 4-0. Um, I think most have the Grizz above Eastern in their power rankings, certainly in the Big Sky podcast network power rankings, the Grizz are number one overall. But um, I don't think anyone really feels comfortable saying um, they have a lot of confidence either way in this game. Um, a few a few stats for you, Nate. I know you've been heavy on the stats. I love stats. Um, I really do. You're a big stat guy. So looking at uh, top offense, we've already given you some some numbers for Eastern Washington. Total yards per game, Eastern Washington is almost 200 above the next team. Total offensive yards per game. Uh, they're averaging 635 to Montana State, who's number two, uh, 443. Montana's right in the middle of the conference at 361. Now, Eastern Washington had a D2 uh, game in there, kind of inflated those numbers. But still, I think they'd be number one, even if they played an average yeah. opponent there. Agreed. Looking at... So Eastern number one, Montana right in the middle. Looking at the defense, average yards per game. Montana number one by a significant margin. They 14 more, 14 less yards per game than Montana State. Eastern Washington right in the middle, number seven in the conference. Grizz in the middle for offense, Eastern in the middle for for uh, defense. Montana has allowed two total touchdowns this year. Two total touchdowns. They're out. They had a pick six, so three have been scored against the Grizz. Defense has allowed two total touchdowns. Eastern Washington, as we already mentioned, twenty-seven total touchdowns. Um, it is. It is. It, it's all, all you can ask for as a sports it's a classic. Yeah, it's right. A like, classic offense. Really great offense versus a really good defense and a really good defense. Going. I mean, it's just going to be so fun. Yeah, it, it matches up perfectly it's, it's, to see like. It, it's gonna be. You said you don't like watching the defensive games. This is gonna be the one where you you really are interested in the defensive battle to see if they can hold off a video game offense like yeah. Eastern Washington. Like Eastern Washington's offense is like when you did a fantasy draft in Madden and like you got Michael Vick and Randy Moss on the same team and then whoever the fastest yep. running back was at that time, uh, and you play the season with uh, kind of Warren Dunn. yeah like with a fantasy draft like that. And so this is what, I mean, that's what Eastern Washington is, and the Grizz have yeah. Fantastic Diesel. You're right. It's going to be just a classic matchup between the strengths and the middle of the pack, kind of not weaknesses, but uh, where the other teams are in the middle of the pack versus where they're the top of the conference. Yeah, and I guess where, you know, what I don't like to see, and just defending my defensive um, comment from earlier, it's like the Grizz defense has been a ton of fun to watch, and they've been shutting down yeah. teams. That's a lot of fun to watch. What I don't like is when there's two, like, B minus B defenses playing each other and like the offenses aren't that good. And like then any, I mean, any people try to pretend big 10 game. Yeah. Any big, 10 yeah. Game. People try to pretend it's like a big, like defensive matchup. Like that's not that exciting. I think where the Grizz offense is and what we've seen from them for the first three games of the year, it's, it is, it is, uh, it's on another level, right? It's almost as exciting as Eastern Washington's. Offense. True. So I am, Terrified of this game. Like I see a lot of Grizz fans. I know uh, Brent Wahlberg, you know, we hate his guts, of course, but Brent Wahlberg does uh, from the Grizz fan pod. We actually love Brent, but um, 
he does this awesome write-up every week and um, on, on eGrizz where he goes through keys to the game. Um, and he, he knows what he's talking about. And it, one of the things, though, that, that we see that, that he mentions in here um, and that, uh, you know, I've seen others discuss is like, you got to get in Eric Berrier's face. Like you got to You got to hit him. You got to get in his face easier said than done against a quarterback like this. Like that's also, you know, how you stop Tom Brady and like the Broncos were able to do it a few times in the playoffs. But other than that, people know how to stop them. It's hard to do. How do you stop Patrick Mahomes? Like you have to get in his face. You have to knock him down. They're good enough where those, those guys are good enough. Eric Barriere is good enough in the big sky where you can't just make that happen. So yes, that's how you do it, but it's uh, easier, easier said than done. Yeah. I got some, I have some, you know, how I'm digging for these little tidbits. Uh, yes, like please. The old published tidbits version that you could find around Montana. But this is my favorite one and I'll go through a couple more, but I just love how they worded this. So the big sky, conference sent out some notes and one of them was so the number four uh, so montana being at number four and uh eastern washington being at number six it'll be the ranked this is a ranked showdown and it'll be the first time ever that both of these schools are ranked in the top nine nationally when they showed off show show off against showdown against each other whatever the hell i'm trying to say uh, i love that one yeah. time someone was ranked 10 and they're like shit we can't use that uh but they yeah. haven't been ranked nine no no <laughs> so no, no. <laughs> don't put that in there so yeah both teams ranked in the top nine nationally first time ever between these two teams matching up uh eastern washington has an 18 game home winning streak uh, when Montana, so that's on the line coming this Saturday. And since installing that red, that god awful red turf in 2010, Eastern Washington is five and zero against the Grizz at the Inferno. Yeah. Well, so, and this. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. Oh no, it wasn't interrupt. I'm just saying. So I see where that nervousness is coming in for you. Uh, you being the historian yeah. and all, talking about you know Cal Poly, uh, you know winning three out of the last four against the Grizz. You know, the, the historical sense, you're, you're much a historian when it comes to those type of things. Yeah, I am a historian. Um, and it, it, so I think Brent made another good point. Um, and this is something where we see it throughout the conference. Eastern Washington is going to be hyped up for this game. They view the Grizz as their equals and as their top rivals. It's just like the, the Tampa Bay Rays get up for Yankee games where like the Yankees historically don't get up for Tampa games, right? The blue Jays get up for Yankee Red Sox games. The Yankees and the Red Sox don't view these teams as their rivals, but it doesn't take it away from the team who's perceiving this as we are playing our number one rival. Idaho gets up for the Montana games. I don't even know if there's like a curfew for the Montana players before they play Idaho, like (laughs) Eastern will be up. This game, the Grizz will be up just because Eastern has been, you know, awesome for the last ten years. Um, they've certainly had the Grizz numbers, uh, and I have to think that during the bye week, that at least part of the time was devoted to getting prepped for this Eastern Washington game. Um, yeah, but it's a it's a great team, and it'll be a road game for the Grizz. Uh, we make fun of uh, Eastern Stadium; it's going to be packed, like to the extent that they have Which fans, they will hard, be but... in that stadium. Yeah. Like, packed is relative to, like, the stadium, I suppose. Yeah. Like, a the house party like a house party in an apartment. Seats. Like, it's packed yeah. when there's six people there. Like, it's all kind of relative yep. to the space Great that point. you have. Um. Great point. Great point. <laughs> so, here's another um, here's a, want another little trivia tidbit. Yeah. So, all-time FCS wins. Montana, number 19. 
of uh, uh-huh. all time in FCS wins. Uh, 124 years total, 609 FCS wins. Wins by an FCS okay. school. So not just FCS wins, but wins by an FCS school. Eastern Washington, okay. surprisingly, number 26 on this list with 566 total wins by an FCS school, which is sad because, you know, we're going to lose Eastern to Division Two coming up here soon. Uh, yeah, farewell probably. tour. Farewell tour, mention really. That. And so it's sad that we're losing such a historic and storied program uh, from the FCS ranks. But I would not, and I, I honestly just would not have put Eastern Washington probably in a top 26, I thought, of total wins by an FCS school. So <laughs> the number 19 all-time wins by an FCS school going against the number 26 all-time winning FCS school, I suppose. Wow. Is one way you can do it. So just digging deep into the Big Sky notes uh, for all of Also, I would – if. I'm I'm looking at this same stat from the the notebook that got sent around. Oh, so now um, you're telling everybody exactly. If you would have asked me, from. if if you would have asked me what year did Eastern Washington start playing football, I would have guessed like 1978. Yeah. They started playing football in 1901. Yeah, I wow. honestly didn't know that they were around that long. Um, <laughs> God, but so <laughs> we are. I I'm nervous about this game. Um. My, my my teams are doing too well. I know what would, that something bad is going to happen. What would change and in your mind if this game was in Missoula? Would there be anything? I just like, I what, think yeah. What's the difference between going there where you know Eastern Washington is sixty one and ten all time on the Inferno? You have to go there. They're five and zero against the Grizz. Would it change in your mind, your pessimistic mind, your terrified mind, if this game was back in Missoula? So uh, I'll answer this by saying I've never felt comfortable about any game the Grizz have played in ever. <laughs> Even Cal Poly, I was like, well, I don't know. Oh. Three, three of the past four. Um, yeah. uh, so I will never feel good about any of my teams going in, no matter who they're playing, period. Never. Um, I would feel better if this game was in Missoula, no doubt. I think that I think both Missoula and to a lesser extent, but still a significant extent for the conference, uh, Bozeman have a real home field that other teams, you know, you, NAU could go most of a season without playing in front of a lot of, a lot of players. A lot, I'm sorry, a lot of, a lot of fans. They go into these schools, into these stadiums, and I, I think it is a shock to them. Even when they play FBS schools, you know, UNLV fans were not getting up for a, a week one game against Eastern Washington in a stadium that seats like a million people. Like yeah. going into these stadiums is tough. So I would feel a lot better there. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of numbers and I encourage everyone to, to go listen to the Grizz fan pod, the number one podcast in the state of Montana, Brent, who we love. We don't hate Brent, who we love, uh, Mike Nugent, Luke Alford. Uh, they do an awesome job breaking down. They'll go through kind of point by point by point. Um, why the Grizz have an advantage here. I think they have some confidence going into this game. I think the numbers point, uh, to the Grizz should have a lot of confidence going into this game, but the end of the day, it's uh, this is the toughest game on the Grizz's schedule, and it's uh, you know, it, it it's not it's not a guarantee. I, I'm I'm going to be super super nervous. Kyler Neal, um, from the from the uh, Eagles Power Hour, has this program, the Versus Sports Simulator, um, that has said that the Grizz should win by eight points, um, this game. There you so, go. however, whatever stats they're using. The Grizz should be like a touchdown favorite going in. Um, touchdown favorites lose all the time. So that is kind of my my nervousness and, here. And we couldn't let a segment go or a whole podcast go without talking about Sagarin ratings. 
Uh, yes, please. Montana, impressively enough, is number 77 uh, in the Sagarin ratings right now, which is, which is really impressive, ahead of a lot of FBS schools. Eastern Washington yeah. actually is not the number two Sagarin-rated team in the Big Sky. That would go to UC Davis at 106. So Eastern Washington's at 114, which puts them only three ahead of Weber State and seven ahead of Montana State. So, uh, like we said, if if these games were played by computers, Montana uh, would probably have about a 60% chance of winning this game. They are ranked quite a bit ahead yep. of them in the Sagarin rankings. Uh, you know, almost almost 40 uh, points uh, or 40 rankings ahead of yep. them. So that's that's pretty interesting there. And one thing that we failed to mention when we talked about Dennis Merritt, you know, we were talking about Eastern Washington scoring a ton of touchdowns. Something I didn't notice, we only talked about Dennis Merritt's rushing touchdowns through the season. He's actually the number one FCS scorer, touchdown scorer on the year. He has nine total touchdowns. Yeah. So when you mix him with Barry Arier, that's some kind of uh, scoring tandem you have in, in, in Cheney. Yeah, Eastern, best offense in the country. All FCS schools, best passing offense in the country. Um, Montana ranks high um, in the defensive stats. Um, Hi, guys. One one fun fact about the the Grizz, total sacks leading the Big Sky Conference with 13 total sacks so far this year. They've done that in three games um, where most other schools have played for. Montana State, who they're tied with, played four games. Um, so it's a it's – a, a, and here I guess here's – yeah, the the thing that's unsaid, we've hinted about it all year. Cam Humphrey has done an awesome job, but he is not he is not a a Patrick Mahomes of the Big Sky Conference, right? He is I think he's top half quarterback, but he is not, you know, top 3 quarterback in in the league. Um a quarterback like that could we we've been I wouldn't say we've been lucky, but so far we've been fortunate where there hasn't been a ton of turnovers that have cost us this game. There's been turnovers against Western Illinois. Um, we were up so big where it didn't matter. Uh, we can't have those same type of mistakes in a, in a game against a team like Eastern Washington. So um, be watching Cam Humphrey very closely this game, and I think a lot rides on his shoulders. The defense can only do so much. The offense is going to have to put up a lot of points to to uh, 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 stick close to whatever Eastern's able to do. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, fans from across the FCS, I mean, fan, sports fans across the country are going to be watching this. Like you said, it's going to be yep. the last game on. Betters are going to be chasing. I did it last weekend. I needed... Um, Arizona State to cover against Colorado, a game I never would have watched and never would have cared about, but I had lost my ass on a lot of other bets, so I had to chase. That was the game I chased. You had to. I had to, and I won, and it worked. And so this is going to be a chase game for a lot of people. They're going to see this. Yeah. Uh, they're going to see two teams that they are actually used to seeing in the FCS world. So it's going to be really, really fun on ESPN2. Uh, the first regular season Big Sky game ever telecast uh, broadcast on ESPN2. It's going to be a fun one all the way around to wrap up what is otherwise yeah. kind of a lackluster schedule uh, in the big sky week five. Yeah. 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 And hats off to the conference for this ESPN deal. Yep. It gets, we find something new. We like about it every week. The games are on demand. You can rewind while you watch them. And now we have a game on ESPN two on a Saturday night. Awesome. It's going to be great. So All right. I think we both know, or we both, I mean, you, you predicting a Montana win. I'm predicting a Montana state win. Um, when we look into a very quick run around the league, very, Very quick. So we're gonna, you know, we're gonna assign out who we're going to be reviewing next week when we start off in that first segment. I got first pick here. My pick is going to be Idaho. Well, let's. Well, yeah, I think we gotta give a little explanation of what's going on. I think I just gave, did. I think I think our fans may be confused by your very weak explanation. Nate. Well, I'll turn it over to you. Um, 
Yeah, they, every week Nate and I go game by game, which they as know, you know they as you've been enjoying four weeks now. Yep, um, we usually just kind of divide them up randomly. Today we asked producer Jerry to um, this being these other four games this week are pretty shitty. Garbage. We asked producer Jerry to predetermine a draft order, so we are now picking the games we will be covering next week. In addition to the Montana Montana State games, they got the first your... and third pick. So let me let me turn it. Well, back thank you for that explanation. Every, any confusion? Every podcast needs an organizer like that. The well spoken one that can really. Uh, speak to the fans and let them know what we're doing here. So with my first pick, I will go with Idaho at UC Davis. I, pick, I take yep. this game because I am interested to see what is going to happen with our boy Hunter Rodriguez. Is he going to be back if he's not back? You know, what are we going to see from the guy who came in? And I already blanked on his name because he's not Hunter Rodriguez. Uh, but what will we see from his backup? I'm looking at backup right now. Well, speaking of backup. What's oh, uh, Miles Hastings. Miles, boring name, but we're you know what are we going to see from Miles Hastings if Hunter Rodriguez isn't able to go? Uh, we saw that UC Davis can win in shootouts when they're scoring sixty-three or fifty points on some subpar competition. Yep. We've also seen that they can play defense, like they did against Weber State. We don't know a ton about Idaho. They love to play FBS teams, so this one just kind of piques my fancy. Seeing if Hunter's all right, the game is in Davis. We're going to see you know Idaho. Uh, this is Idaho's first conference game. I believe they were on a bye last week, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. So first, first yes. conference game for I, Idaho, which will be fun. And if you recall, Idaho um, didn't name a starting quarterback ah. um, to start the season. They announced they had a Division II game and then two FBS games, and then Paul Petrino was going to name his starter after that. Um, a quick Twitter search before we started uh, uh, recording. I did not see if they've announced that person, or maybe Paul Petrino will – reveal him right before the game starts um but it's uh it's something to look forward to but yeah. ultimately who and like we said I, uh, uc davis number two in the second rankings in the big sky conference at 106 idaho right in the middle of the pack just behind nau and nau is a little bit inflated because yep. of that win over arizona but uc davis uh should win this game pretty handily at home in davis in front of the home fans sorry to the tubs at the club guys we do, like we say every week, have a soft spot in our heart from you, but I don't believe that you're going to get on the board with a Big Sky Conference win this week. I think that's right. Um, all right, I got the number two pick. The team, the game I will be covering uh, next week will be Weber State. One and three Weber State versus one and three Cal Poly. Uh, Weber State traveling to San Luis Obispo, California. Um, this, I mean, I think every Weber game, from here on out, has to be much watch. It has to be a must-watch game. They are. They need to basically win out. Um, they should win this game. Cal Poly is bad. I think we both predicted that they would have one win on the season. Um, but Weber has had a tough time scoring points, right? Like, they, uh, uh, they thus far this season um, put up 17. Well, I guess they put up... They've been putting up decent points. Dixie State, they blew out 41-3. Maybe that's the model we should be looking for in Weber State this game. Um, but, you know, lost 17-14 to Davis, lost 37-24 to James Madison. Uh, if they keep this game close, if Cal Poly is able to keep this game close, Weber's offense looks bad. It could be interesting. I'm just more interested to see Weber getting this win. They have a bye week after that. They're going to hopefully get healthy and then they 
the next oh, game they play after Cal Poly is the is is the Montana State under the lights um, hosting Montana State under the lights. That'll be an ESPN U game on a Friday night. Hopefully, being boosted up to ESPN too. Um, but Nate, I think we can both agree we want Montana State to win that game, but we want them to do it with honor oh, with by honor, playing yeah. a yeah. full health. It's not a real. State it's game. not a real win unless you're playing a full strength. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll only count as 0.75 wins yeah. um, for playoff consideration if if they're not at full strength. Yeah, I think you've covered it all is that we want to watch this game because it's Weber State. We don't really think there's going to be any trouble with this game. We don't like watching Cal Poly. Uh, it wasn't fun to watch them when they were a triple option. It's even less fun now when they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I see why you picked that game. Uh, as your first pick. So my first, is that everything you wanted to go through on that one? That's everything I wanted. Oh, yeah. and by the way, Weber State did drop back uh, in the polls, I think to number 20 uh, in the FCS stat polls after that loss to Davis. So uh, they've taken a hit the last couple weeks. They went to 19. So they were at 14. They went back to 19. So they dropped five spots. So if I'm not mistaken, they were six when they played James Madison. And they've dropped 13 spots in the last two weeks uh, due to losses of James yeah. Madison and um, UC Davis. So just kind of a, a little, another little comment there. Weber State, number 19. They round out actually the top 25 for the Big Sky Conference uh, in the polls uh, at 19 there. So the next pick I'm going to do, and it's only because I, I, will, I refuse to pick the team that you're going to have to get stuck with uh, on the end one. I'm going Idaho State at Northern Arizona. Uh, like Oof. we said, when this is a shitty slate of football this week in the Big Sky Conference, we definitely meant it. Uh, this game is the only, like I said, the only reason I'm picking this is because I refuse to cover Southern Utah, um, like I had to this week yep, against Eastern fair. Washington. Yeah. So Idaho State, Northern Arizona, Northern Arizona obviously had that win against Arizona, and then came out and just played like shit against Northern Colorado and gave them a win. So what this game pits against each other is uh, Northern. Northern Arizona's number nine offense in the conference against Idaho State's number ten defense, God, and it pits who cares about this and it pits game? Idaho State's thirteen ranked offense against NAU's eighth ranked <laughs> defense. This is like the exact oh opposite of like the Montana Eastern Washington game. At least those are like you know some top ones and then some middle of the pack defenses and offenses there. But this is just rounding out the bottom uh, you know quarter of the conference. Um, I predict Idaho State gets this W against NAU, who looks totally like they got maybe the miracle of the year in that win against Arizona. So I see the Bengals winning this one in Flagstaff. I mean, there's not much else you can say. This is just a crappy lineup of games this week and teams that we just don't care about. But I'm going to take Idaho State, Northern Arizona, and hopefully something fun happens. And obviously it's a uniform uh, review for me next week. Uh, I'll be going through oh, shoes to pants to jerseys to helmets mm-hmm. um, in that order next week to buy some time when I have to talk about this stupid game. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Uh, I think the loser of this game should be relegated to whatever Canadian conference Simon Fraser comes out of. Um, we can bring up the 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 Klansmen to play in the Big Sky. Um, <laughs> that leaves me if you if you're done talking Idaho State NAU. Um, that leaves me with the last pick for the weekend, Portland State going to, for the last time as division foes, uh, traveling to Southern Utah. Um, the only uh, thing worth kind of looking at here, so Southern Utah I didn't think would win a game all year. They snuck out that win against Tarleton State uh, uh, a few weeks ago. Portland State 1-3, and three, 
Um, they have lost to uh, two FBS programs, obviously the Cats this weekend, and then a D2 program. Their next four games, they have four games for the next five weeks, are all against bottom-tier Big Sky teams. Southern Utah, Idaho, Idaho State, Cal Poly. Wow. So the only thing to really watch in this game would be if, if somehow Portland State could get up to right now they're one and three. Could they get up to five and three after this stretch going into November, you know, towards the top of the standings, really not that exciting. I don't think that they can sneak out two wins with the rest of their schedule to be a playoff team, but you never know. Um, but they, you know, the road to five and three, it's there starts Saturday in, uh, in Cedar city, Utah. So this, the only real storyline I'll be watching on this, and I'll ask you for an over-under, is we have Davis Alexander of Portland State. Played pretty well against Montana State. Uh, kind of got, yeah. you know, like you were saying, people got in his face, so he became a worse quarterback uh, in that game. So Davis Alexander, yep. uh, he's thrown for you know 1,254 yards on the season, eight touchdowns, having a, a pretty good season. He's going to get to take on the last place, the worst defense in the league in Southern Utah, over-under, 400 yards passing for Davis Alexander in this game. Over. All right. I think they're going to stomp Southern Utah. Yeah, I think they're going to beat Southern Utah. I I would say he goes over too. It's just a good quarterback against a god awful defense. So <laughs> you could have set that number at, at any. You could have said <laughs> yeah, 500, 600. I've taken the over. I have no confidence in in Southern Utah. No. I mean, little granted, they they did have to just play EB three last weekend, and that's probably deflated yeah. some of their numbers or inflated some of their shittiness uh, on defense. But either way, Davis Alexander, a very good quarterback. I mean, a serviceable quarterback, a good big sky quarterback. Should have a field day. Can I do? Can I do over four hundred and fifty total yards for Portland State's offense? So passing and rushing. Yeah, you may. Uh, No, for just for for Davis Davis Alexander. Yeah, Yeah. go for it. Four hundred fifty yards total over under. Perfect. You take it over. I'm assuming. If if it wins, you have to get a Davis Alexander tattoo. Perfect. Can't wait. (laughs) So those are the. That's the slate of games. Just to kind of run it back: Idaho State at Northern Arizona, Northern Colorado at Montana State, Portland State at Southern Utah. Weber State at Cal Poly, Idaho Vandals at UC Davis, and Montana at Eastern Washington in the game of the week. The last thing we mentioned today is the the stats FCS polls. Not much of a topic here. Not not a ton of movement besides Weber, Montana. Uh, Right now at number four with three first place votes. They remain the same. Eastern Washington remain the same also at number six. UC Davis moved up four spots to number eight. So uh, the Big Sky Conference does have three teams in the top ten. Montana State uh, moved up two, actually, to get to number 11 from 13 with the win over Portland State. And like we talked about, Weber State dropping back another five spots to be number 19 in the country in those rankings. So those are the Big Sky teams right now, five of them in the top 20 currently. And this week, there's going to be some movement because number four and number six are playing on ESPN2. Can't reiterate enough how awesome that's going to be. Yeah. It's going to be real awesome. Do we want to do a quick uh, Alex Singleton watch? Well, Alex Singleton played last night in the classic rivalry between the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. And Awful game. Oh, horrible, horrible. Awful a game. A lot of only, only highlighted, besides Alex's decent performance, uh, the only awesome thing out of it was Eli Manning in the fourth quarter telling yeah. a story about how when he would go into games in Philly that there would be little kids flipping him off. And Eli held up both middle fingers to the camera, and then they went to commercial, and he had to come back and give an apology so awesome. for flipping off the camera. 
So it was so awesome. Yeah. So uh, um, like one of the worst primetime games we've had this year. We've had some just awesome NFL primetime games to watch yeah. uh, earlier in the season. So yes, in week three, Alex Singleton five solo, five assisted for ten combined tackles on the game. Very very solid game for the captain of the Eagles defense and Montana State alum. And one of my best friends, uh, Alex Singleton. So congratulations, yeah, uh, Alex, on another very, very successful game. And they take on the Kansas City Chiefs next weekend. So that will be a test in itself. But congratulations again, Alex. Singleton. I think it's safe to say he's one of our best friends. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah, yeah. Great game, Alex. And we will. Uh, I think I think they play the Chiefs this weekend. Kansas that City. might be. Yeah, Kansas. yeah. Maybe. Uh, Maybe uh, maybe take take this week off. Like yeah. I said, like literally thirty seconds ago, it'll be a test in itself. Mm-hmm. When you ignore Great the whole point. part where I said that they're playing Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as you were, <laughs> I missed it because I was looking up who they were playing this week. <laughs> <laughs> so they are playing Kansas City. It's going to be a tough one. In in uh, just to kind of bring it all together, but I think that brings us to where we just need to to get going here. Week five of the Big Sky, one of the coolest games we've had in a long time. Montana at Eastern Washington on ESPN two. We will be watching it on Zoom, I believe, is the plan. Um, you know, say hi to guys yeah. and do all that kind of stuff uh, if anybody wants to join. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a fun weekend. Hope everybody uh, has a great time watching and is entertained by this kind of shitty slate of games. But it gets to end with an amazing one on ESPN two on the red turf. So, anything else for the birthday boy, Bear Tycoon? Let's go, Grizz. Only present I need is a big win on Saturday. All right. Well, that'll be a good one. Go Cats. We'll talk to you all next week.